0: Welcome to the Relationship Maze podcast. And today we're really excited to be speaking with Dr. Stephen C. Hayes, the originator of acceptance and commitment therapy. If you'd like to find out more about how to improve your relationships, head over to therelationshipmaze.com where we have lots of information. And you can also take our free online conflict style quiz and discover your conflict style in relationships. Welcome to the Relationship Maze podcast. And today we're really delighted to have Dr. Stephen Hayes with us. So thank you so much for being here with us. Well, I'm happy um, to be here with you and looking forward to the conversation. Thank you. And uh, so Dr. Stephen Hayes is a psychologist, researcher, originator of acceptance and commitment therapy, relational frame theory, and co developer of process based therapy. Um, So, again, thank you so much for being here today. And, um, yeah, so first of all, uh, a lot of... I've been doing a lot of uh, studying and kind of work uh, involved in with ACT. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's something that a lot of my students are very, you know, very passionate about, interested in. I'm wondering if if you'd be happy just to briefly give an overview of um, how would you define ACT to uh, people? Sure,
1: sure. Well... You know, the usual sentence would be ACT uh, uses acceptance and mindfulness processes, commitment and behavior change processes to produce greater psychological flexibility. For most normal people, that doesn't mean very much. Um, but I maybe I could say it uh, in a longer way, and then I'll get to a restatement that's even shorter, which is you know, I've spent 40 years with uh, thousands of people around the world who are helping to, de- to develop this work to sort of hack the human mind, get down to the smallest set of processes, things that you can do that do the most good for the most people in the most situations. And psychological flexibility is, is our word for that, which basically means learning how to be more open, aware and actively engaged in life. And being open means cognitively and emotionally open and flexible, being able to use those kind of uh, channels that are built into your psychological being to help orient you, being able to be aware, use your attention, focus your attention, broaden, shift, and change your attention, but from a part of you that's uh, more just aware and connects you in consciousness to others. And then if you do all those things, You know, you're more uh, open and aware. You're more mindful. You're more engaged. You're you're more ready to be engaged. Engaged in what? Well, a life worth living. What do you you want to have your life be about? What What are the qualities of being and doing your values that you want to reflect into the world, and how you build habits around that? So, the short version of psychological flexibility is open, aware, and actively engaged. And almost everybody listening to me right now kind of knows this is a good idea. You know it from your own experience, you know it from your wisdom traditions, you know it from your culture, but you got an organ between your ears that says that journey can only really start when you solve the problem of yourself and others. Uh, so we put life on hold while we try to, you know, clean up our cognitive ecology or somehow magically change the painful parts of our history or feel the right way so that we can bathe the right way, which is all just delaying, getting on with it. So, if I come back, having said all that, to what psychological, what act is, act is anything that holds itself to account to monitoring and changing psychological flexibility. As far as I'm concerned, anything that does that, you can call it act if you want. Maybe you don't have to call it anything you like. It's all fine. Um, the names don't matter. The processes do. And the simple, cool message is that. These processes do the most good for the most people in the most situation. That's an empirical fact. I think I can defend it. Uh, It's the best supported set of processes in all of uh, science. And so why not learn it? It's going to be helpful to you. Whether you're dealing with your own psychological issues, having relationships that work, being able to manage uh, the challenges of uh, aging or physical disease or running a business or uh, exercising, winning a marathon, you name it, psychological flexibility is helpful.
2: And, and of course, uh, the difficulty is that uh, something gets in the way here, right? If it was so easy, if we had that flexibility, we wouldn't be struggling with all these obstacles that we struggle with in life. And yeah, what's, the, what's the challenge here? What stops us from being so flexible?
1: Well, the flip side of that is psychological inflexibility. And it's fed, I think. Most people, it's different things that can really feed it. But most people, it's your analytic, judgmental mode of mind that's applied to yourself and others. And, you, you know, you, my relationship would be great if only my wife would change. Or, um, you know, I'd be able to sort of be comfortable in my own skin as long as I would have different parents. Uh, you know, my childhood uh, needs to be changed. Good luck with that. Um <laughs> You know, it's what the mind does when it's trying to fix your car, do your taxes, but it then gets focused back on you and it gives you horrible advice. The logical problem-solving mind doesn't know how to appreciate, to love, make choices, to make faith commitments. It doesn't know how to be whole. It doesn't know how to have peace of mind. But it's the tool we over-rely on. Because in lots of areas of life it works, and in the modern world we've fed it like a wild tiger. And then we're, we have these tigers in our house, you know, wanting more of us, of our life than is worth giving it. So in the modern world, I think we've gone from community relationships, social support, experience, intuition, to something that's very much more mindy. It's analytic, judgmental, And if you don't learn how to put that tool on a leash, you'll get mindy with everything and you'll pay dearly for that because uh, you'll find relationships are harder. Peace of mind is harder. Making values choices is harder. Performing even is harder. You would think performing at least would be easier, but no, because your mind starts saying you lazy, good for nothing. Why don't you do this and this and this? And part of you wants to self-soothe with the, you know, with a donut, I mean, immediately you start resisting your own pathway forward. You know, you can't make me. And nobody likes being dictated to, but you've got an organ inside your head that will dictate to you.
2: Mm, and it's awful. Yeah, absolutely. And also there's always, uh, I suppose, sorry, um, Tom, I think he wants to come in there. Um, there's also maybe the question of, The issue around the tyranny of choice is knowing what are the choices here. Yeah, Yeah, the
1: whole issue of choice is made, you know, choices and decisions are two different things. It's fine to list pros and cons and make logical decisions about things if you're trying to figure out where to invest your money or which house to buy. But I'm not so sure it's the best way to really touch the deeper parts of you that go beyond words, that are not easily categorized, that are a felt sense, that come by experience alone. I mean, if anybody plays music or does anything in the area of sports or does anything in the area of art or, you know, you know that this organ is not to be trusted. It's not all of you. I mean, if you think really hard about the next step when you're dancing, you can't dance. You think about the parabolic function of a ball, you can't hit the ball. You know, you're going to, if you're thinking about, oh, what is my, mate going to think of me? Or what is my girlfriend going to do? And the next thing you know, moment's gone. You know, that opportunity to be with another person and to actually communicate is gone. You're off in your head. So it's logical, but it's not wise to overuse this tool. But most of us uh, succumb to it. And because of that, even in the area of performance, where if you had to pick one thing, just just make, Make me behave in a proper form. It can't even do that. I mean, never mind love or you know relax or have peace of mind or make choices. I mean, choices are more than just a decision.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. The whole
1: person makes a choice, and if if you just do pros and cons, think about this in terms of uh, marriage and commitment and relationships. Suppose you turn all relationship choices into pros and cons. Well, she's really beautiful. Uh I'll check mark, you know. And then she, she has an accident uh, the next day and she's no longer beautiful. Time for a new one. Really?
2: Yes.
1: Really? That's the way you're gonna do? You know, well, you listen to things like marriage commitments and stuff, and, and you go. I listen to them, and sometimes some of the modern ones, when you've tweaked all the stuff that was in our wisdom traditions, I promise to love you as long as I feel like it. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can tell you. you're not going to feel like it. Yeah. Talk to anybody. <laughs> you know, there's going to be times when you're that's you the last you time. Time. and that's exactly when love is going to be needed. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: that's it's tricky. Yeah, and I—I I was really interested when you were talking about that. Well, was sort of when we think too much, and sort of in the area of arts. Uh, originally, I, I was a professional musician before, yeah. as I was getting into psychology, and um, I, I suppose that's the curious thing with whether it's music or dance that there is that period of learning where you know we do need to access yes. that cognitive functioning to master that skill, and then then it's when when we're performing at the peak, we get into those flow states and stop. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's that sort of interface between the thinking mind and the kind of. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. And, and so, you know, if you look at something like act, self help, act, self help books or webinars or whatever will be words. What else are they going to be? We're probably not going to, if I was a good enough artist, I could probably paint act. If I was a good enough dancer, I could dance act. I look at, really sophisticated dances, then I say, wow, you know, that includes acceptance. That includes effusion uh, or, or or self-focus. That includes breaking out into a values-based journey. It's in the dance. You can see it. You can feel it. And you can hear it in the music. And you, can, you can see it in the pictures. You can see it in the movies. I mean, let me give you a, 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 an example of that. The great stories. Pick a story you like that's big. And grand—the kind of things that would take a trilogy to say. Almost always, there's a hero in there who feels small and inadequate, who faces challenges that includes difficult thoughts and feelings, who somehow, with help from their mates or magical things that happen, but also finding a different sense of self, take charge of the, you know, finding the golden fleece or flinging the ring into the crack of doom or confronting Voldemort or whatever it is and mobilize those resources to do the hard things that are values-based and by piece by piece doing it. It's not a simple formula. It's not paint by numbers. It's not hero by numbers. It's a process. And that is the process. Every The reason why they're so cool is we're all on that journey we all feel inadequate we have our difficult thoughts and feelings we have with help from our mates and from the people around us you know that uh, that, that sense of mates uh, the people we care about you know but also finding this deeper sense of self learn how to focus on our values and mobilize our resources so back to the thing you're saying about the words can be the vehicle you're going to initially have to do it through trial and error, or some, and you're gonna you're gonna slip and fall. But after all, you know, when you were learning to walk, you fell down 110 times a day on your diapered butts. That's the average number of times, and you walked 10 football fields length, exhausting your parents while falling down constantly. And eventually, one foot was in front of the other. Well, you can do a little bit of that now with you with Uh, you know, help that will orient you in that self-help book, let's say, towards how do I learn to be more emotionally open? How do I learn to be less cognitively entangled? How do I learn to be more intentionally flexible or to connect with my values or mobilize my behavior around them and create habits that aren't uh, harming me, but are helping me? You can learn that and words can help, but ultimately you want to be in that flow state, even with your relationships with your job, you know, with your, the arc of your life. It, and and nobody's going to ever 100% get there, no matter how big you get, there's going to be more big to get, but uh, you can do better. And I'm no shining star of psychological flexibility. I'll guarantee you that. And then, as I always say, just ask my wife, but what I always do say to my wife when she sometimes points this out, I say, yes, dear, but remember how I was. Mm-hmm. And she always says, "Okay, oh, you got me there." <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing better. <laughs> doing better. Yes. And I'm only seventy-five. I got more time, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: I have to remember that phrase to use with you, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's really helpful.
2: <laughs> I'll remember that. Yeah.
0: So cool. and, but I think there are more quite a lot of challenges for younger people with the you know social media in particular I think with the sort yeah. of this conceptualized self this <laughs> image which is becoming so strong i mean even even more so than when we well
1: and you see it in the statistics don't you there's a huge challenge there's also huge opportunities so yes you see it in the increased suicide rates don't be telling me this is just self-report and we're raising a whole worldwide group of babies and whiners that that is nonsense young people are having a, a hard go of it and it isn't just COVID. a lot of it is exactly as you say you know the social media I mean the three big things that are really, really hard, you know comparing your your yourself uh, to others, applying judgment to your, to, to yourself, uh, you know this issue of comparison, judgment, et cetera those uh, things are in the computer in your pocket and so if you uh, learn how to judge, avoid, compare. Uh, you're going to suffer the consequences and no matter what your Instagram page looks like. Now, uh, how many likes you get on TikTok? Uh, and that's what we have, people comparing their insides to other people's outsides. But how about the opportunity? You can connect with people around the world with this computer. You can have it your way. You don't have to listen to it. I mean, I don't know how, how exactly how old you are, but I listen to radio stations. Now they select their own music streams. You know, you can have it your way. Can you use that awesome power that's in your pocket to connect in consciousness with the entire world and to be the author of your own life in a really important way? Well, avoid the temptations to climb into the clown suits that the culture will give you and sell you products if you do it that you're damaged goods or you have this disorder or that disorder without looking at what are the processes that empower you as an individual. And on and on it goes. So I am hopeful hopeful that what's going to happen is that young people with guidance will learn how to use these tools to create greater psychological flexibility. And you see it in things like, who are the people who are really advocating for climate change. Is it the 75-year-olds? No, it's the 18-year-olds, the 17-year-olds, the 15-year-olds. They know something's at stake, yeah? And do we need that? Do you think? (laughs) I mean, we need that. And we need that fast. So our young people are the ones that I think we're going to have to look turn to to solve these problems of prejudice and stigma and uh, economic disparities and climate change and immigration, and on and on it goes. The old dogs aren't going to do it. So, uh, but uh, I think it's going to ta- take a change in mindset. You know, there's uh, modern minds for this modern world. And uh, so I spent a lot of time trying to put these tools in the hands of young people.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder with some of these challenges as well that with, with, different arguments that come across in society where it's quite a polarization frequently there, which which in the argument itself goes to the opposite, which creates this sort of tension and disagreement. I don't know if I'm being clear, but sort of, you know, so so people realize that there's an injustice, but then go completely the opposite way. So there's never that kind of middle ground where we can get away from what's going on in the head in terms of just that feeling of opposition. Yeah.
1: We've fed the conceptualized self in the form of the conceptualized we. We've, we've, we're creating a tribal kind of uh, and, and it comes from the freedom that this tool in your pocket affords. the The streams that we're talking about isn't just music streams, it's news streams. It's you know what you see on YouTube and on and on it goes. and the you know the tech companies know that they can turn eyeballs into money, and the more time eyeballs spend anywhere, they can turn that into money. And so they're only too happy to feed conspiracies to con- people who have any one conspiracy. Now they have five or 10 to worry about, or you name it. And so there's a, a, a natural process that's happening that divides. And then the natural process is feeding the conceptualized we and saying, really, what matters is we have the answers and those people are bad. And... It, whether you're left or right or up, down, or middle, or I mean, no matter what your group, once you're doing that, you're on a dangerous road that is harmful. But it doesn't mean that you can't have values and so forth. It means we have to learn how to connect with others and to to bring our whole selves into those interactions and our values. But after all, isn't that the same thing required in relationships? Isn't that the same thing required at work? Isn't I mean... Is there any place where social cooperation, understanding, uh, communication, uh, shared values uh, isn't important? I mean, it's I can't you. think of anything. Yeah. I mean, even if you want to go be a monk and sit in silence yeah. on the top of the mountain, probably somebody has to bring you alms or something to make it possible. We're that social. But I, I, I again, think this is probably a temporary thing and will correct itself. I hope it does it faster rather than slower but can we find a way to use these same tools and instead of feeding the conceptualized me and we that we start feeding the connection to the entire we because you know you may really dislike the people who are in that political party or root for that particular sports team or have that particular sexual orientation or who adopt that particular religion, whatever whatever it is. But you will find benefit in breaking down those walls and being able to connect across those divides as well. And you're going to need some help doing it because you're going to have to put down the me and we and expand that out to the we of all of us. All of us matter and then of course you can make judgments of course you can say that's not fair etc but do it inside a genuine conversation and not this kind of objectification and dehumanization that feels righteously good but doesn't wear well you know we have some data on this that the more you feed those processes the less happy you are the less and en- the less you enjoy other people and uh, the more susceptible you are to uh, mental and behavioral health problems. Mm-hmm. So if you're seeing people out there who are happily divide, divide, divide type people, I can almost guarantee you these folks are are suffering in that process, and it's showing up in their health and their relationships and their relationships with their kids, their family, their community, theirs, with the relationship between themselves and the person in the mirror.
2: Absolutely.
1: Because if you're going judge, 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 judge towards others, guess what you do when you look in the mirror? Yes. So
2: yourself, Exactly. Yeah. I think that's the
1: nose under the tent, you know, the camel's nose under the tent to flip this because nobody comes in and says, hey, I need help with being narrow in my thinking and prejudiced. No, nobody comes in asking for that. But they do come in in saying, you know, hey, my wife said she's going to leave me. Yeah. So yeah, can we use yeah. these this knowledge about how to create a greater peace of mind and purpose, relationships that work, uh, a life worth living? Can we use that for the pro-social good of the whole world? Yeah, I think we can do that.
2: And we can start with our own relationships. We can look at how we, to use the idea of pivoting an act. How do we pivot towards love? Yeah. In our, yeah.
1: Exactly. You can start with yourself and your relationships. You you can start close. And you know, if you were to go somewhere and get training and act, if you're a therapist, let's say, the very first thing that's going to happen is going to be experiential exercises with you. Why? Because if you, you can't. Ask people to walk into difficult emotional spaces if you're not willing to walk with them as a therapist. You can't. And they're going to raise issues that are hard for you to hear. When they're talking about relationships and you are not managing your relationships, it doesn't mean you have to be God's gift to relationships. You just have to know that it's important and that you're trying in the way that my mother called Verstunkene, I think is Yiddish for stinking. Trying in your own Verstunkene way to get better, you know. That's enough to earn your way into having a conversation with others about okay, let's work together as to how we can move forward and accomplish your goals. And but you're gonna to want to start with yourself, if at least from the act space, because it's built on a psychology of the normal. And the last time I checked, therapists were people.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, no, we're not. We're gods, (laughs) aren't we? (laughs) Surely we are. You know,
1: the divorce rate's higher among psychologists than (laughs) it is non-psychologists.
2: Let's gloss over that. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I think also I want to come back to something that you said at the beginning of our conversation about um, just being too much in the head, uh, thinking too much being too carried away by our thought process which uh, often get get us into cul de sac certainly don't move us forwards so there was something about trust here isn't there there's something about trusting the process trusting trusting other people as well yes That's kind of what 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 kind of came up for me here as an issue how can we trust ourselves more how can we trust others more
1: yeah you well and if you look at what where is there a violation of trust how do you create trust you know trust requires some degree of safety um it it requires kind of the valuing uh the recognition of the protection of the interests of another in in the case of you know so the safety includes things like i'm not being lied to you're not going to steal from me you're not going to harm me physically etc when it's applied to yourself it's the same thing because You know, often people have the idea that if I could just browbeat myself into performance, if I could whip myself like a a horse and make myself behave. Yeah, but that's not a safe environment. Part of you is going to want to retract and, you know, do the turtle move because it's not safe even to be with yourself. You know, punching yourself is not the way to motivate yourself. And so self-kindness, self-compassion, acceptance, finding a sense of self that is beyond categorization, that there's more to you than simply the flaws that you've had or the things that you've done. We've all got things that we've done that we're ashamed about. We all do. We don't talk about them. We've all got them. We have secrets that are dark secrets. What if the big thing is everybody has the same secrets, but they're not sharing it because they're afraid? Okay, well, I'm not going to run out and change that by sharing it with everybody. That's too risky. But I can at least start with: Is it okay to be me, really, even yeah. with my known flaws and places where I've not lived up to my values, places where I've actually not been there for others, and I'm ashamed of, of 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 that, or whatever it is that's there that I've lied to other people, or I've yeah, we have histories like that. Yeah, can we create a safe place? where it's safe to have your all your memories, it's safe to have your history, it's safe to be here as a psychological being before we even get to social safety. And I think what psychological flexibility says is, yes, and here's how to do it. When I say peace of mind, that's what I mean. I mean being able to be whole and free here. In your relationships, trust is created by creating a context in which safety abounds and a values-based journey between two people is possible. Knowing full well that, you know, sometimes people do lie, sometimes things do happen, et cetera. You know, if if you want the kind of love relationship where there's like zero possibility that you're being betrayed, uh, give me the example of where you're going to go. You're going to have relationships with a deity. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> you know? So it's, It's hard to be human because we know we have that history, but we open our heart because even knowing that we can, because the rose is worth the thorns because um, love and loss is one thing, not two. And even, I mean, back to this issue of trust and safety, even if you had a relationship that is really, really, really well established in terms of trust, that person could die tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You think you are not going to feel abandoned? Mm. Of course mm. you will. Mm. Part of your mind will say, "Why did you leave me?" Yeah. Mm. Of course it would. Yeah, yeah? do this to me. Yeah. So can yeah. you, even with that, make that leaf of faith? And that faith word comes from a Latin word "fides," which means fidelity. It's in our word "fidelity." Can you have the self-fidelity that? Love is of importance to me. That rose is so important. I will grasp this thing, knowing there's thorns there, knowing their loss is part of it. Everything you love will one day be gone. Everything. The earth itself, it'll be inside a red giant called the sun. So either close your ears whenever the physicists uh, talk in your high school classes, or get over it. You're going to have to figure out a way for leaps of faith to live with finitude, for love and loss to be one thing. And so creating a place where even that is safe. Uh, we do it inside our religious traditions, but you know, those are weakening to be honest and therapists. While I value that as a way forward, I went to a religious college, etc. I think we also have to, let people know. Since the fastest-growing religious group is none of the above, and that includes a lot of uh, agnostics and atheists, we have to find a place where you get to make that leap of faith in, in a in a somewhat different way of uh, affirming your own wholeness as a conscious human being, connected in consciousness with others, and with the from that the good of the whole world, and you know, from that even maybe being concerned about the all these divisions between the subgroups in the world that need to be healed. Mm, yeah, that's
0: such a powerful message. Thank you. I'm just wondering uh, if there's anything that we haven't asked you or anything you'd like to say that uh, you haven't said before we finish today.
1: Well, one of the things I'd want to say is if there's something in what I'm saying that resonates, all of these processes are learnable Uh, yes, therapy can help, but they're learnable also now in the modern era from websites and books and things. You don't have to spend a lot of money, a little bit of time. I mean, you can go to the World Health Organization, and the single most downloaded document in the entire WHO website is a book called uh, 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 something like uh, Doing What Matters in the Times of Stress which is an ACT book uh, that is being deployed right now in the Ukraine, was deployed in the South Sudan with a brother in Uganda with the South Sudanese refugees. It was deployed in Turkey with the Syrian refugees, you know, and has been tested to the nines in gold-plated randomized trials. And we know that, A, it works, and, B, that it works through increased psychological flexibility. So, look, if our major, major science organizations, Never mind our spiritual organizations or our wisdom traditions or our artists and lit- or the literature and the musicians. If they're all kind of saying something that orients you towards learning how to be more open, aware, and actively engaged in life, let's spend a little bit of time learning those skills. You'll never be finished. You're never going to be perfect, but you can be on that journey now. And you've already been on that journey. It's just that You didn't have the scientific help and the clinical help that we now have. So my message, my closing message would be, no matter how much suffering you've experienced, and since this is a relationship-oriented thing, no matter how broken your relationships seem or how damaged you may seem to yourself as being able to have relationships that work, my message to you is that you're not broken, and you can learn the skills that are needed to be the, the best you, to be whole and free. And that's not Pollyanna. It isn't like an end state. It's a journey, and you can move in that direction. And when you're moving in that direction and you're gradually expanding in life, even if it's not you know, at the max, whatever that means, That's enough. I mean, when people know that they're progressing, they're doing better, I'm back to my thing I say to my wife. Remember how I was, dear? Um, I'm going to be haunted by
2: this now, Stephen, (laughs) for the rest of my life.
1: (laughs) But people will cut you slack. They will. And you can cut yourself some slack. You're a work in progress. Okay. Okay. But let's get busy about the work that life is asking of you. And I think life is asking something of you is, is it okay to be you really? And if so, how can you get to that place affirmatively? How is that po- even possible given the things that have been done to you, or the things that you've done, given your history, given where you are, how is that even possible? And the answer is one step at a time, but in a direction and you can allow uh, modern behavioral science to inform you on that. And if I could be forgiven, it's, I shouldn't do this because I know you're trying to end, but.
2: No, no, we don't No, no to, we're in we no <laughs> hurry here at all. <laughs> well,
1: we we did a study recently where we looked at every every single randomized trial ever done in the history of the world, focused on a mental health outcome. And 55% of everything we know in the history of the world in controlled scientific studies about how to change the underlying change process was some form of what I just said. And if you get a little more liberal about it, it was 80%. And the only thing you have to add is your body and relationships, but the relationships are really an extension of the same thing. So it's kind of the joyful message about that is it's not so complicated.
2: No, I mean, I think this is what I love about ACT, that actually it's really accessible, isn't it? It's
1: accessible. It's, you can, you can say can it in a sentence, you know, learn to be more open, aware, and actively engaged. When you unpack that, yeah, there's a lot of things that that contains. But, boy, that's a lot easier than the thousand and one disorders you may think you have. You know, get focused on what really makes a difference in your life and you'll find that there's um, supports all around you, easily accessible on the internet, accessible to your community, wherever, no matter where you live. And uh, perhaps I'll give you a couple of things people can use as links, and you can put it in the comments section of your I podcast yes. To, yes. if people want to pursue this. Or if they did, if they just want to follow me, you know, I have a website, and you can hang out. and. I will uh, send you my newsletter and all that. And I don't spam people and they can click out with a single click if they don't like it. But I'm just one voice and there's lots and lots of voices uh, walking out how to create a more psychologically flexible world
0: great and is there anything you'd like to actually promote just now we can put some links in the uh, description as well but is mm-hmm. is there anything you'd like to promote in terms of um mm-hmm. some of the work that you're doing or kind mm-hmm. of um a website or anything mm-hmm. that might be helpful yeah my
1: website stephenchayes.com. and um you know i'm really I, I mentioned the the who website and we can give you the link for that because yeah. it's a free book that they can download but yeah. the journey i'm on will include uh, some apps that are in my close future. They're going to be released in July. I'm trying to figure out a way to help people individualize. And uh, I'm not really ready yet to put that out for publicly and for therapists, but um, so I'm rewriting, get out of your mind in your life, which was my, uh, you know, my five minutes of fame when it was written up in time um, and um, beat Harry Potter for one glorious week on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I'm rewriting it because I think the future now is that people need not only to know what these processes are, but be able to see in their own individual life, which ones are most important when and what are the places they need to work on. And so I'm developing tools that are about that and new statistical and measurement tools that will allow people to do it, but also ways of thinking because there's no one size fits all solution And uh, Mm -hmm. even a big old act book shouldn't be put on everybody's head. It should be more like, here's the little thing you need to get you over that hump. And later on, it'll be something else. And I think that kind of spirit will fit a world where it's not one out of five with a mental disorder. It's five out of five with the need to work on their mental Mm -hmm. resilience, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of times up. All of us need to have uh, minds that are more flexible and more prepared to live in this modern world where we're, Constantly being exposed to pain, comparison, and judgment—you know the big three that uh, uh, is most difficult for people.
2: Yeah, Mm. yeah, we hear that again and again. Absolutely work. Yeah, Mm.
1: yeah, and
0: well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been just really wonderful speaking with
1: you. And yeah,
2: yeah, no, thanks so much. Honestly, delightful, lovely to see
0: you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, really great. Thank Thanks. You. Take good you care. Well,